The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Someone jacked my green. We're done. Have a great day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I had this brilliant thing, like, if for those of you who forgot to wear green, there's a Grove Church pen on the seat backs in front of you. You can clip it onto your shirt and call it good. Because uh, I totally forgot to wear green this morning, I'll be honest. I woke up and didn't even cross my mind. I'll be honest, though. Can I, can I just be honest for a second? I'm thankful I don't have to worry about wearing green anymore. I've not been pinched once, and this is not a plea to come pinch me, okay? I've not... That was, this is the dumbest thing ever as a kid when I was growing up. Like, oh, I forgot to wear green, so everyone's pinching me. I just, and then I get in trouble if I hit them. So um, anyways, thank you for allowing me to have my child therapeutic session today. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm glad you're here. If I have not had the chance to meet you yet, I'm one of the pastors here at the Grove Church. And it is an honor to be up here as we continue in this Lights, Camera, Action series with the heart and the intention is to explore the book of Acts to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, what's the Holy Spirit's role, and how does he build and continue to build his church throughout church history well into today and March 17th of 2019. Uh, So I'm excited to be here uh, and excited to walk through this again with you today. We're talking about the Holy Spirit is our encourager, uh, and so you can write that down in your notes if you're taking notes. Um, But before we go any further, I want to take a moment and pray for us today, pray for our time together, Um, but he's not in here this morning. Uh, I've done this the last couple services. He's not rebuked me yet, so I'm going to continue to do it. Uh, I want to take a moment and pray for Pastor Ryan and his family. Uh, As some of you may have noticed on social media or have been following and just having a relationship with him, his dad passed away yesterday morning uh, after quite a a bit of a battle with cancer. Uh, And so I just want to pray, spend some time praying for one of our own. And I want to say this as a side note, not because I'm a pastor, but because I believe in this, is if you're not actively praying for your pastors and their families, can you start today? Because in order to do what God's called us to as a church with leadership and us as a family, to make an impact in Snohomish County, we need prayer. And we need to rely, even as you're hearing me time and time again today talk about, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, actively encouraging and engaging the world as we, as we know it. And so can we take a moment and pray for Pastor Ryan and his family, uh, and then we'll continue on in the series. And so God, we just come before you today on behalf of our friend, God, on behalf of, of one of our pastors, and Ryan, and even Adrian, who's uh, even one of our staff members, as she is working and, and cares for some kiddos, uh, many of us in this room, and Lord, we just ask for your presence. Lord, I, I, I find myself failing at words sometimes, but one thing I know is that you are present. You promise to be close to the brokenhearted. God, you even say in, in Matthew that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You promise to not be far off. You promise to be a close God, closer than a brother. And so Lord, today, I simply pray that your presence would be evident. God, with Ryan and his family and, the, and their kiddos and Emery and Cole and Kay, God, and the, and the siblings of, of, of Pastor Ryan, Lord, we just ask for you to be with them. God, be with Ryan's mom as they're navigating a new normal. God, give them wisdom. God, give them grace. Give them mercy. God, I pray your compassion would be with them today. And Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to shoulder this with each other. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to invite you. We thank you for the opportunity to even come before you on behalf of our friend and Pastor Ryan. We love you and we thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, He is like a twin brother of mine, and so I'm thankful for the opportunity to pray for him today. Some of you would get that joke because we get confused all the time, um, and he laughed last service, so I'm just picturing him laughing right now in the front row. So, 
Um, again, I'm glad uh, to be here today as we continue the Lights, Camera, Action. Uh, I want to kind of give you a brief overview for a few moments that brings us to this point in Acts chapter 5 where we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit being our encourager. And we started this idea in, in Matthew chapter 28 where it's this picture of Jesus after his death and resurrection completing the work that he came to earth to do to reconcile humanity, you and me, back to God in full relationship And as he completed this through his death and resurrection, he's then gathering those closest to him, his followers, his disciples, and he says a couple things to him. First, he says, this is now your mission. This is now your job. Go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. We find this in Matthew chapter 28 as our mission, as our job given to us by Jesus. And in order to accomplish this, Jesus continues on in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He says, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Don't go to the ends of the earth just yet, but wait for the promised one, the Holy Spirit, to come. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he then tells us why. Because when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be empowered to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. We've explored this over the last couple of weeks. And then in Acts chapter 2, we find this promise and this command to wait to be fulfilled. Where the disciples and the followers are just all together in one room. And the Holy Spirit shows up in this miraculous supernatural encounter with the followers, with his followers, Jesus' followers. And they're then empowered by the Holy Spirit to now be a witness to the world as they know it. And you and I, the same progression can play out. And we look at Acts chapter 3 all the way to chapter 28, all the way through church history, all the way to 2019 today, where the work of the Holy Spirit in building, empowering, and releasing his people to reach those who don't know Jesus. That's what we get to be a part of. Amen? Isn't that an incredible journey? But it's hard. <laughs> it's not easy. It's difficult, which is why you and I need the Holy Spirit in our lives today. If you continue in this movie theme, which brings us to this idea that the Holy Spirit is our encourager, we find this to be true. And I'll I'll say this from personal experience. If you're an actor, an actress, which I was at one point, not really, but I'm just going to pretend I was. It says everyone needs an agent. Whether someone has set up interviews for your next big movie premiere, to work on your next audition, or maybe to tell you to keep going when things get tough, Your agent is there to keep the ball rolling. That's where the Holy Spirit comes into play for you and I today. In this series of Lights, Camera, Action, we can find that the Holy Spirit is directing, encouraging the early church and us today through adversity, through blessing, as well as everything else. And I hope we can all come in today and admit that we need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. Amen? Cool. Last week, Pastor Nick wrapped this up, and this kind of sets me up for Acts chapter 5. You'll find throughout church history, you'll find throughout the book of Acts, that these, these interactions and these moments of the Holy Spirit are actually almost rhythmic. You'll find that there's really great moments of the Holy Spirit doing a mighty work, only to be brought met by opposition, only to have another amazing thing, only to be met by opposition. I don't know about you, but that sounds like my life. Since following Jesus, when things got hard, there was always a moment of, of like, oh, man, God, you, you worked. You did something crazy. You did something cool. Only then to be met by opposition again. It's like an unending wave after wave interaction. And there's this passage in Acts chapter 4, after the disciples are released from prison, which Pastor Nick brought and mentioned and walked us through. And then he, he brings us to this point of their prayer, 
where it says this as the disciples are praying before the Lord. He says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Now, real quick, if I would have been in prison, if I'm in prison for preaching the gospel, you know what I'm praying? God, get me out of jail. God, deliver me. God, I'm done. I don't want to be here. And if I get delivered, you know what I don't want to do? Go back to jail. Just being honest. Some of you are just like, you're a bad Christian. Yeah, that's why I need the Holy Spirit in my life to be an encourager. But I, the, 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 the disciples say, give us great boldness to preach your word. Not deliver us from evil. Not like keep us out of prison. Not like keep the opposition away from us. They're anticipating that they may face opposition again. And they say, give us great boldness to preach your word. And they don't stop there. They say, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The very thing that put them in prison, they prayed it would continue. What? The reason why they went to prison is because God healed someone who was born lame. The reason why they faced persecution is because God's power worked and transformed and healed someone. And they prayed for the same thing to happen. God continued to let that happen. In my selfishness, I don't get it. Why would they pray for boldness? Why? I was reminded many times this week, as I spent time with different pastors and leaders throughout our state, throughout our area or region, the reason why they prayed that is because they understood their mission. I bring up Matthew chapter 28 because it's easier for you and I to forget today what we're called to. It's easy for you and I today to forget that you and I are called to go make disciples. We're about to be the father, we're, we're to be about the father's business. We're to be about the lost who don't yet know Jesus, who need to know Jesus. Because we get uncomfortable, because we face opposition. I, I grew up in Virginia. You'll hear every now and then if I get tired. I have a southern drawl every now and then. If I say too loosely the word accent, you hear kind of an accent too, which is really funny for me sometimes because people will call me out on it. I grew up where they called it soda, not pop, because pop is something you called like your grandpa, or it's a sound that you made when you hit someone. Pop is that. It's not a drink, a carbonated beverage. I said y'all a lot and got made fun of when I first moved to Washington. I called Spokane Spokane because it didn't make any sense to me that you would call it Spokane when it had an E at the end of the word, because in Virginia, the, the, anyways, I've learned a lot since I've been in Washington, thank you. I'd never called it Washington, which is good. But living in Virginia, I live within miles and minutes from the beach, the Atlantic Ocean. And we would go pretty regularly every summer, mainly because it was free, and I was in Navy housing, and so we didn't have a lot of money with six of us in this family. But so we would go to the beach, and I remember getting like the little Kool-Aid bursts or like throwing them in a cooler and try to drag it on my little boogie board down to the waterfront. But one of the things that I learned pretty easily, because I used to love being in the ocean. I say used to because now I have like this fear of like sharks coming to eat me if I go to the Pacific. It's weird. <laughs> but we would, we would ride waves all the time, boogie boarding, body boarding is another thing it was called. And I remember learning at a very young age that if I try and ride over the wave, to get to the right position to ride a wave back to the shore, that if I tried to ride over it, it would actually manhandle me, flip me off my little boogie board. I would kind of go underwater or get salt water in my eyes, and it would hurt, and then I'd cry for my mom, and then she'd make fun of me, not really, because my mom's a great mom. 
But I remember having a difficult time trying to enjoy the ocean. And someone then pulled me aside saying, Aaron, you're being kind of childish. I'm like, well, I am a child. Anyways, they told me to tip the nose of my board into the water as the wave was coming. And then hold my breath and close my eyes. And if you're a nose plugger, plug your nose. And go into the water so you pop out the other side of the wave. So you can continue paddling to get in the right position to ride the wave how you're supposed to. And I don't know about you, but I oftentimes see that when waves come, if we don't know how to navigate them, we're going to get manhandled by them. When wave after wave after wave in your life is coming at you, if you don't know how to navigate them, you will get manhandled by those waves. And just like when I was young, when someone came alongside me and told me and taught me how to engage the wave, just like the Holy Spirit has been sent to you and I today to, man, or to be able to handle the waves that are in front of us, we cannot make it forward to be in the right position to enjoy the wave that God is bringing if we don't know how to handle it. See, the challenge for you and I today is do we recognize and acknowledge our need for the Holy Spirit to be our encourager today? Because that's what the Bible says he is. See, in Acts chapter 5, I want to read a few select verses and then share a few thoughts about the Holy Spirit and hopefully bring you to a point of challenge and hopefully bring you to a point where you're willing to acknowledge but also invite the Holy Spirit to be the encourager that he's called to. And then I'll pray and we'll wrap up. It'll be awesome. But it starts in Acts chapter 5. To give you a little bit of context, what just happened, which causes these religious leaders to be in an uproar, to be upset, is what the Holy Spirit has been doing through the followers like Peter, is he's so overwhelmingly powerfully anointing Peter to where Peter's shadow is healing people. People are lining up their sick along the street, so just when Peter's walking down the street, that his shadow, if it fell on the person, they would be healed all for the glory of God. Not because Peter's a magician, not because he paid people off to be healed, which I saw in a report that one church did that, which is ridiculous. But because the power of God was so moving and so evident that people got healed because of someone's shadow. These religious leaders were upset about it. They were irate. And this is where we pick up in verse 17. It says, the high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. Whole different message, jealousy is going to kill you if you don't take care of it. It says, they, arrest, they arrested the apostles and put them in jail. It's a big deal. It said, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Don't pass by that. If you fast forward into the passage a little bit, I'm not going to read it because I don't have time for it. But it says, when, when the religious leaders sent the guards to go get the prisoners, the guards went to the prison looked throughout the prison. The, the guards were standing in front of the locked gates. They look for the prisoners. The prisoners aren't there. They come back, report to the, the high council saying, hey, um, so the, the prison was secure. Just need to say that first off. Check the video footage. Um, they just disappeared. The gates were locked. There's no sign of a forced exit or entry. They're just gone. And the religious leader's response was, when will this end? Go back to this for a second. The gates and brought, uh, but the angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told the disciples, "Go to the temple and give this, give the people this life message of life. In other words, the very thing that you got in trouble to do or doing, 
go back and do it again. And do it in a public place where they're going to find you. The disciples are just like, pump the brakes, wait a minute. No thanks. No, it says the disciples, so at daybreak, I have this picture of Good Friday, or Black Friday, waiting to get in the store to get that really cool deal. Disciples just standing in the temple courts like, come on, Lord, where's the sunshine? We got, we got work to do. We got a message to preach. Come on. And the moment even an inkling of sunshine comes over the horizon, everybody listen up. I need to tell you about Jesus. It says at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. Fast forward to verse 26. At this point, the captain realizes the disciples aren't there, but they're in the temple courts. It says the captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people there would stone them, which is incredible to think about. It says, then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. He says this, we gave you strict orders never to teach in this man's name again. But Peter and the apostles in verse 29 says, we must obey God rather than human authority. We must obey God. Fast forward all the way to the end of the chapter in verse 40 and 41. There's this moment where the religious leaders are really having a hard time. How do we deal with these apostles? How do we deal with these followers of Jesus? And one man stands up. His name is Gamaliel. And he sends the, the disciples out of the room for a minute so he can talk to his buddies. He says, hey, guys, listen, there's a couple things you need to know. First is this. I've seen this happen and play out twice in two different moments, two different movements. First thing you need to know is this. If this is of God, you're not going to win, so just give up fighting it. Really good advice. Second thing he said is, the other two instances I've seen play out, a leader of a revolt or a movement was killed and his followers were scattered. If this is of man, it's going to die out. Just let them be. So pick it up in verse 41. It says this, the others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. In other words, they were beaten. They were whipped with whips 39 times. It says, then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Verse 41, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Makes me ask this question. How on earth were they able to rejoice in the face of opposition? See, throughout church history, even looking at the next handful of, of chapters in the book of Acts, we see in Acts 6 and 7, Stephen gets arrested, preaches this truth and this message of Jesus before some religious leaders, and they stone him with this man named Saul, who was very influential, approving of this, Stephen, this man Stephen's death. Continues on with the opposition. It says, then the persecution through this man Saul and many others, where they began to arrest Christians and kill Christians, began, and it scattered the church. It scattered the members of the early church. In Acts chapter 9, we see this man named Saul who once approved of and was on his way to go arrest Christians in, on the road to Damascus, encountered Jesus. His life was changed, and from that moment forward, he became an advocate of the truth, not an instigator or against the truth of Jesus. This incredible wave of just provision and mercy and an incredible transformation where this man named who was Saul had his name changed to Paul and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament as we know it today. 
continues on where the Holy Spirit then pours out his work. He pours out his spirit to all believers, Gentile and Jewish, and there becomes a conflict in chapter 11 and 12. In chapter 12, there's another death of a follower of Christ. Peter becomes imprisoned again. And on and on and on it goes. Throughout the book of Acts, we can see this constant opposition and work of the Holy Spirit of provision and miraculous breakthrough, only to be met with opposition. And it feels like, if we're being honest, it feels like our lives sometimes. As a follower of Jesus, can I just be real? It's not been easy. In my youth, I didn't know what I was signing up for. God, I thought it was going to be like unicorns and rainbows. I thought I was going to eat candy and not have cavities. I thought I was going to have a great time. And every time there's been opposition, God has always broken through. God has always been providing. God has always worked. God has always transformed. God has always changed a situation. He's changed me sometimes. I look at the story of Peter and see this man who was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can't help but think back to that 15, 16-year-old Aaron. With this kid who was shy. He was timid. He didn't like giving presentations. He would look down at his note cards and speak in French because I had to give French presentations. My famille and moi. I don't want to do this. Stands before many people because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, declaring his truth, declaring his goodness. And all the while I realize, God, I'm still fighting against your will because I want it to be about me. How are the believers able to handle what was coming at them? They had an agent who encouraged them as they lived their lives by his spirit, responding in obedience. This agent is called the Holy Spirit. In John 14, verses 15 to 17, Jesus, coming to the ends of his life, is meeting with his closest followers. And he says this statement, if you love me, obey my commandments, which in and of itself is difficult. For those of us in this room who we've crossed the line of faith, it's difficult to be obedient to what God has asked of us, especially when we feel like there's a lot of gray area. But the truth is, when we let the Holy Spirit be our encourager, when we let the Holy Spirit be our guide, we begin to realize there's not gray area. There's just a way of obedience that God has called us to. But God, I don't want to be obedient today. If you love me. Obey my commandments. He doesn't stop there. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Several other translations say this. He will give you another counselor or helper or comforter or encourager who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The Greek word here, let me get a little bit scholarly for you. I like like to make fun of Evan with his glasses because he's smarter than me. And put my glasses on. And the Greek word here is called parakletos. This word parakletos is translated directly as the comforter or counselor. And it means called to the side of another. The Holy Spirit is called to the side of another. And here's the purpose of why he's called to the side of another. To counsel or support the one who needs it. Can I ask you a question today? Would you be willing to say you need the Holy Spirit to come alongside you to counsel and support you? Because I do. I am a selfish, prideful, arrogant man. 
apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, who makes me a better servant, who makes me a better husband, who makes me a better follower of Christ, who makes me a better stinking dad, I'm still a really bad tooth fairy. (laughs) We forgot my daughter lost a tooth last night. Yesterday, we forgot to replace it. So, But I'm perpetuating a lie, so I don't really know how biblical that is anyways. The Holy Spirit is the paracletos who's called to be along your side for the purpose of helping you navigate life. How do I deal with my emotions? How do I deal with my attractions? How do I deal with being in love with someone and just wanting to do what I want to do but still honor God? How? Because the paracletos is meant to come alongside you to navigate life in truth and obedience. If you were to Google the word encouragement, this is what it would come up with. It's defined as the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. Have you, have you ever lacked confidence in conviction? I'm not supposed to drink. But when the Holy Spirit brings the conviction, which is my conviction, I'm not projecting that on you, the conviction that I had at a young 16-year-old kid, I'm not going to drink because I don't want to touch it. Not because I think it's bad but because the Holy Spirit tells me no. I want to live in obedience. Maybe there will be a day that's released. I don't know, but right now I want to walk in obedience until he makes it clear otherwise. And again, that's not a projection you shouldn't drink. No, please don't hear that. It's easy to hear something someone says from a microphone and then, well, he says, no, I'm not. Let me clarify that. The encouragement to come alongside us, that's the Holy Spirit as our paracletos that's meant to come alongside of us and walk step in step with us. Can I just be honest with you? The Holy Spirit is not going to not walk down a dark valley. See, some of us feel like we make a turn. Well, the Holy Spirit left me. I'm miserable. No, the Holy Spirit's with you every step of the way because he was sent to be with you. It's not selective. It's not selective. It's not circumstantial. The Holy Spirit is meant to and decided to walk with you every step of the way. What are you facing today? What are you dealing with today? What are you wrestling with today? What's the weight that you're carrying today? You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our encourager. He helps us know right from wrong. There are seasons in my life where I felt like, God, I'm not a good follower. I'm not worthy enough to be called your son. I'm not worthy enough to be your, your a pastor. And there were times that I believed that. I remember reading a blog this week in regards to this message. And the blog simply said this, the Holy Spirit never discourages God's people. He is the encourager, never the discourager. And some of you need to hear this today because I think you're walking in with your head a little low because you feel like the Holy Spirit is like ripping you to shreds. Conviction happens. The Holy Spirit's meant to bring conviction because it's a spirit of truth. But conviction is never meant to lead to shame. Conviction is never meant to to tell you how bad of a follower of Jesus you are. Conviction is meant to align, and we're going to talk more about this next week. The conviction is meant to help you be in alignment with God's will for your life so you know where you're misstepping so that way you can redirect and respond to his grace which calls you back to his side. You're not meant to walk in shame today. Guilt is not meant to lead you to shame. It's meant to lead you back to the loving arms of a father who cares about you, who created you, who's not waiting to slap you upside the head. Some of you have bad examples of a father. That's not the biblical dad that we get to serve. 
It's a loving dad. Go back to the story of the prodigal son. Son comes walking from a distance. His dad is waiting and anticipating and sees his son from a distance. And he runs to his son with arms wide open, picks him up and says, my son who's lost is now found. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. See, some of you today are wrestling with God. Do you even have a plan for me? Yes, I created you with a plan in mind. Well, then what is it? To walk the path I've called you to. I can't do it. I know you can't. That's why you have the Holy Spirit to walk with you. See, I'm thankful God doesn't just tell us to go figure it out and then just leave us alone. I hope you get it. Oh, you're struggling. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> no. He comes alongside us, equips us, and encourages us. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our encourager who comes alongside of us. I want to read to you a passage of a, from a gentleman named Kent Hughes who wrote an entire commentary on the book of Acts. He wasn't the only one. A lot of people have done it, but this one I love. And I want to read to you a portion out of Acts chapter 5. And it says this. I'm just going to read it. It says in Acts 5, the angelic liberation, referring back to when the angel freed the disciples, was not only meant to free them, but to encourage them and us. You're the us in that statement. It says the apostles knew, now knew that God could deliver them from the world's clutches anytime, anywhere. If church traditions are correct, Matthew knew the reality of an angelic presence when he suffered martyrdom by the sword. It says, so did Mark when he died in Alexandria after being dragged through the streets of the city. Luke experienced the same when he was hanged on a large olive tree in Greece. It was John's realization as he was, as he was scarred in a cauldron of boiling oil and lived his last days banished on an island. So it was with Peter as he was crucified upside down in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. James the Less was then thrown from a high pinnacle and beaten to death with a club. Philip was when, experienced it when he was hanged. Bartholomew when he was secured, secured and beaten until he died. Andrew when he was bound to a cross and preached at the top of his voice to his persecutors until he perished. Thomas was run through with the lance. Jude, who was killed by executioner's arrows. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Barnabas suffered the same fate at Salonica. And Paul, who was beheaded in Rome, on and on and on it goes. All of these died knowing that God can deliver his people anytime he wants. Scripture says that when waves of persecution or trial come, God can deliver us if he has, if he so wills. No matter how dark or oppressive the wave, he can rescue us. Believe it. I don't know what you're facing today, but can I simply challenge you to believe it? Our hope is not cling to circumstances. Our hope is not tied to what we get in this life. Our hope is tied to eternity with Jesus. That we can believe that God, the same God who can deliver and has delivered, much like in Acts chapter 5, can deliver if he so wills in our life today. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. We're not owed anything. But we get to respond to his love and his grace in redeeming us in obedience. And the problem is, 
If you're like me, I forget that. I make it about me, and I forget what God has called me to be about, and that's his mission. So I have a question for you today. Do you need, let me ask it this way, where do you need the encourager that is the Holy Spirit to encourage you today? And what is that situation? And let me go even further. Will you join me because I need the Holy Spirit in my life to encourage me as I face and as I walk in obedience to what he's called me to? Will you, if you are here today and you would say, Aaron, I need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I need the encourager to come alongside me today in the face of what I'm facing. Will you just put your hand up in the air with me today? I want to pray for us. And as you have your hand raised, I would simply ask this. As I'm praying, will you just simply pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come in and encourage you with what you're facing and name it. Fill in that blank and don't let it be vague. So pray with me today. God, thank you today first off that you care, that you love us. God, we're honored and humbled by your faithfulness. And God, even as I stand here with my arm raised, God, I I admit my need once again for the encourager who is the Holy Spirit to fill my life, to lead me, to give me a boldness to represent Christ well. Because I'm called to be that witness. So Lord, today I surrender, today I ask, and today I admit I need you in my life, Holy Spirit, to encourage, to come alongside, and to empower me to do what God's called me to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.